This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode 40 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. And my name is John. And we're going to talk about stuff we watched this week, and it's not going to take very long. (laughs) You'd think something like, you know, a 40th episode would be, oh, we're going to pull out the stops and we're going to do some. No, it's the week before the week before Christmas. You know, or technically we're recording on the weekend right before the weekend of Christmas. A week from tomorrow's Christmas. How's that? Yes, yes. And it's so, the seventeenth. So it's a lot December of stuff 17th. has gone on hiatus. A couple of the shows that we'll talk about this week just finished up either their season or they're they're going on hiatus now. And um so yeah, there's really not a lot to talk about. One of the biggest things that we could talk about, we're not gonna because that would be Rogue One and not everybody's seen it yet. So we'll be good on that. I really want to talk about it too. Yep. <laughs> but, but um yeah. we're, we're still we're gonna We got some other stuff. We got some news, we got some trailers, we got some other movies that maybe we watched. Yep. And, and, and I do Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, in the shows that we did watch, we can get into depth on them. Not nearly to Westworld levels, but, you know, we're not going to spend 50 minutes discussing one show because, you know, they're not as good as Westworld, but still. But we're going to have some fun. So um, let's just jump right into, uh, let's just jump right into Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah. Now, this one, we saved up two episodes. We could have talked last week about the ninth episode, but instead, because it was so closely linked, like, this is the first time in a long time that Ash vs. Evil Dead has felt like it should have said to be continued. I mean, they all pick up right where the last episode left off, but this one really was a, like, you need to watch nine and ten together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Number nine, essentially, is Pablo's Dead. Ash is drunk and distraught about it, and Pablo's and he's doing donuts in the yard. He's doing donuts uh, in the yard while smoking weed laced with angel dust and drinking, because yeah. this is so, his coping mechanism. He sees a hallucination, quote fingers, of Pablo, who incidentally he has his two pieces of his body taped together, <laughs> but taped but, together wrong. Yeah, like they're not taped together at the waist. It's like he stacked his his listen, his feet around his head, pointing oh, the wrong way. Y- you know what he is? Taped to get what? He's um, C three PO on Chewbacca's back in Empire. That's exactly what he is. Yep. That is, and he's duct taped together, and he's got <laughs> trash bags around him. I'm guessing for the blood. And so he hallucinates Pablo. Pablo telling him basically, like, go back in time. Get the book before you ever had a chance to get it and prevent this from happening. And so Ash is interesting because uh-huh. you you were the one who told us on this show a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Army of Darkness, they don't have the rights to. But yeah. he still made that subtle mention. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did go back in time once to the Dark Ages. I have noticed him. He did that a couple of times where he kind of they this like in episode nine and ten where he referenced 
Yeah, uh, that, Army of Darkness. That picture in the book in episode ten was definitely oh. straight out of Army of Darkness. But that picture was also in uh, Evil Dead Two. So there's yeah. Um, so, anyways, they go back in time, which I had said they could always go back in time, like they did in Army of Darkness a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and that's what they did. So they went back in time to 1982. And, and then they head to the year cabin. 1982? I don't know. What is so big about the year 1982? Isn't that when one of the Evil Dead movies came out? Oh, that's when they – well, actually, it came out in 83. Right, but it was set they, in 82. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they got to go back before the first movie is what it is. And what's cool is at the end of uh, – not the end of, but in 9 when they're racing towards – because. Whatever reason, driving at a high rate of speed is the way he wants to do it. Back to the future style. Um, when he's racing towards the wall, there's a drunk up against the wall, and when he pops into 1982, I'm pretty sure we see that guy again. This time as a distinguished businessman, yes. he's freaking out because he just watched uh, Ash's car come back to time, and Ash tosses him some booze and goes, "Just drink it down." And he goes like, "No, no, I really shouldn't." And Ash basically peer pressures him into drinking it because yes. what's the worst that could happen? He says, and, "I have a family to take." care of they're depending on my income yeah yeah and i'm pretty sure that's our drunk in the future it sure is <laughs> um so yeah so they do um they get to the cabin well they get to the woods yeah and the gang is chased by some kendarian demons and ash is like no this shouldn't be happening i haven't read the book but uh, obviously the doctor and his wife, Henrietta, they had previously read the book, Dr. Noby. Right. Which so we always obviously, heard the recording and we always knew that that had happened before Ash and his friends got there. Yeah. So the fact that there's already Candarian demons there makes sense. So they get separated, Ruby and Kelly off one way, Ash off in the other. Which didn't make a lot of sense because they weren't that far from the cabin. But Ruby and Kelly yeah, spent no. an inordinate amount of time out in the woods. They really did spend a long time out in the woods bonding together, incidentally. Yeah. And uh, Ash makes it to the cabin. He goes in. Um, you know, I, I like that they went back to the cabin again. He except for back. Go ahead. Yes. Well, he didn't just get back to the cabin. He was chased in there by the old camera trick of, you know, flying through the woods. Oh, yes. And threw himself up in the rafters somehow. I have no idea yes. how he did that. And He's then, like spread eagle up in the rafters so that right. the thing couldn't see him and it retreated back out. Yes, that was the Vaso cam. Yeah. As it looked left and right, looking to see where he was and then came backwards out. Yeah. Yep. And then Ash dropped down. He's like, still got it. <laughs> Which he shouldn't. He's that Which, old, and his body no. is totally out of shape. He shouldn't but, have even been able to jump up and grab. Plus, he only has one hand. Fair enough. <laughs> but I do like the. I do have one continuity issue that that I'm going to bring up. Oh, excellent! And that is the the basement. Yep. That the 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 chain. And the mechanism of locking the basement hatch was already installed on the door. Yeah. And that was not the case originally. Correct. So that's the only that's the only um, 
That's the only continuity issue that I've actually seen that I can think of right off the top of my head right now in the first, second season to go with the first two movies. Which it, I, kind of, I go. it kind of bugged me because that is fairly major. You know, it yeah. might seem minor, but it's fairly major. And considering that it's the same team that did the, the movies, it really kind of didn't seem yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. There was some pretty severe continuity issues there. So. Yeah. But so now Ash is in the cabin looking around. He steps on a nail because, you know, that's got to be something. And Oh, gosh, that was that immediately. Was so looking. It was. But then immediately we get a, a repeat performance of the evil starting to infect his body right up through his foot. His foot's turning black just like it did with his hand. It looks like he's going to have to cut it off. But then I he thought doesn't. For sure he, I thought for sure I'm... I'm like, that's the poor man's going to lose him. Yeah. And then he's like, no, wait, there's got to be a better way to do this. So he takes some scissors, <laughs> stabs into his leg, the black. Oh, which, incidentally, that was so disgusting. Yeah. How, like, he just so black, easily just. Yeah, the black ooze is, like, coming out, and he's sucking it out like a snake bite. And, oh, God. And then okay, accidentally again, swallows some of it. Again, the fact that he's in horrid shape and yet he got his leg up to his mouth like that. Yeah, I, I kind of call bullshit on that one too, but <laughs> moving on. So then, of course, he accidentally swallows it and what do we get? We get the taunting mini ash inside of him. Well, it wasn't really, but that's what you thought it was. But that's be. what ex- I thought exactly. They were going with mini ash again, which I was cool with. Yeah, especially if they had had like a half dozen of the little Lilliputians again. <sighs> and then, but he did the same shtick. Pouring the boiling water down there on his, <laughs> but to his own mouth, which you think would hurt a lot. But first, it was um he all the cinnamon, cinnamon. yeah, and then tobacco. Was he smoking or something? Why did I put tobacco in my Tabasco? It was tabasco. cinnamon and Tabasco. I must have autocorrected my note. Yes. Yeah. So yes. he he right. poured cinnamon in his mouth to choke it out. Then he poured Tabasco down his throat, and then it was the yep. boiling hot water. Yeah, from the teapot, which I don't remember. I don't think he said, how about some hot chocolate? Nope. I think nope. he said something about hot tea. Yep. Um, and then he spits out or, so, yeah, he spits out or throw, vomits out or whatever. This little slug looking thing. Yeah, it looked like a half aborted fetus. I know. And then he's like, fuck you, Ash, fuck you, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it couldn't move or anything. It wasn't like the mini Ashes where it was like fully yeah. able to run around and jump and stab him with forks. This thing was just like laying there twitching on the ground. Yeah. And so he stepped um, on it and squished so it. So he splatted him into a million pieces. And then he hears, I think after that point is when he hears a voice from the basement. Yes. From the cellar. And I'm just like, oh, it's Henrietta. That's yeah. cool. Like, if that makes sense, that's where she was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Ash proceeds to beat the tar out of her. I loved it because <laughs> <laughs> he goes down there and she's like, oh, help me. I'm, my husband's trapped me down there. He's gone crazy. Da, da. And he's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden he just starts punching her in the face. <laughs> and this is a um, well-fed grandmother-looking woman yes. in, I assume that was like a nightgown type thing. That's a moo moo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a moo moo, but he just starts beating the tar out of her. <laughs> I mean, absolute living crap out of her. And, you know, essentially they did a recon of this episode with this, t- with the movie series. Right. Because what they did affects what happens in Evil Dead 
in Evil Dead 2. Absolutely. You know, so going forward, it's like, all right, what we saw in the movies didn't actually happen now because we've changed the past. We've affected it. Right. Um, so, so he beats up on this old woman for a little bit. And then the professor that, again, we've only known him from the voice on the recorder. I never looked up to see if they got the same actor. I doubt it. I don't think so because I'm pretty sure the person is dead. Yeah, that's what I figured. Because I know that they used um, – oh, I'm sorry. They used the voice of Professor Nobi in the um, – um, help me. Video game? Evil Dead, the new Evil Dead movie. Oh, okay. They have the the recording of his voice like in the closing credits and so he did so but I think I remember reading back then when that happened that he was he was dead then. Gotcha. So I don't because I'm trying to think I don't recognize the actor that played him. Right. You know? But regardless of that, he comes downstairs with a fetching young nineteen eighties dolled up co ed. Heck yeah. Named uh what was her name? It was Veronica or something? I don't recall. Tanya, 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 Tanya. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically he takes her down there and tells her that she needs to help with his research. And, you know, Ash has the old woman kind of like knocked out so that she can't talk. And Tanya steps in a bear trap and the professor yeah. walks over and she's like screaming. He's, ah! And he's like, Oh my God, that <laughs> must hurt. It. <laughs> yeah. Can I get you some ibuprofen? <laughs> but his whole, thing is that, you know, he says, I read from the book, I summoned the Kandarian demon and yeah. it got into my wife. And that's the moment that Ash has decided, oh, I'll release the old woman because obviously the old man is crazy. And just as he releases her, he re- he hears him say, yeah, the Kandarian demon is in my wife. That's why I locked her up down here. But if I yeah. can get it to go from her into you, then I'll save my wife's life. And now we have Kelly and Ruby out there with what I dubbed the rapey trees. <laughs> Yes, I thought I'm like, are they gonna rape them with the trees? <laughs> Again? Yeah, like I, I not that, you know, right. Kelly or Ruby or something like that. They didn't, but the tree the rapey trees did capture them. Yes, and, and held them pretty well. Except for this time the rapey trees had a uh nice great big eyeball in the middle of one of them. <laughs> yes, and somehow Kelly knew to stab the tree in the eyeball. Uh if you've played any video game ever, you would know you no, always stab, stab them. <laughs> it, whether it's an eyeball or a glowing red spot, that, that's the weak point. <laughs> so I totally accepted that. But that was basically it for them. Like They fought the rapey trees, and then they were like, okay, now let's head back to the cabin. And then we get right back into the basement with now, instead of taking that sweet little old woman and dressing her up like a Kandarian demon... Uh, we rip her out of her muumuu because the Kandarian demon starts swelling and gets all fat and bloated. And it's now Ted Raimi dressed up in. Yes, which I loved. <laughs> I did too. It was Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi. Yes. <laughs> Had that great line Absolutely. about how, uh, on Ash, that chin of yours is an easy target. That. <laughs> stuff. But they did a good job with the makeup making it look like. Yes. The, you know, the original. Yep. So I was, I was very pleased with that. Yes, I agree. Um, 
Now, Ruby, did Ruby and, and I'm trying to think as they merged them together, but did Ruby and Kelly, they didn't make it back to the cabin in, the, in that episode, did they? Uh, no, not yes. quite yet. Did at they? The very end, at the very end of the episode, I thought. No, sorry, you're right. No, 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 no. The end of the episode is Professor Novi locks them in the basement, locks yes. Tanya and Ash in the basement, and then the Henrietta is now either. transformed mm-hmm. into the Ted Rainey makeup Henrietta, and yep. um, that's how that ends. Yes. Novi runs out of the cabin, and yeah, so that's yeah. how that ends. So, so it was definitely a big cliffhanger, you know. Yeah. Plus, it was the fact that um, – this is the first time that we've really gotten a huge tie-in to the original movies. You know, we get to see what happened before the movies. And like you said, everything that is happening in those moments is changing the the history of the franchise because things won't be the same as a result, which is where I come to my second continuity error, which we'll get to later. But it's interesting that, you know, so that's why I wanted to see both of these back-to-back like that because yes. it's directly it wasn't just a continuation of the story we're no. seeing the origins of the story yes it literally the next yeah the next episode starts right where that one ends yep a- except it's one of those like um i always think back to um kathy bates in misery and how she hated those serials where you know the car was going off the cliff and then the next time yes. you see it, they jumped out at the last second yes you know it's the same kind of thing where ash is like oh come on give me a and he busts through that lock so easily yes now this is where we could say oh maybe that's the continuity thing maybe the lock was busted by ash originally but no it wasn't and no. the thing is when that lock was put in place in the movies it held a kandarian demon in the basement quite soundly for quite a while yes 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 so ash busted through it very easily and left on you down there and then gets pulled down yeah yeah rather quickly because he sees her pop up with a thing and she's all bloody and she's like help me help me meanwhile the professor makes it to his car and promptly explodes not the car explodes. The car is no. fine. The professor. No, no, no. The professor explodes. Yeah, there's just blood <laughs> everywhere inside the car, just like an overripe melon. <laughs> and that was rather interesting. <sighs> because at first I was like, oh, I wonder what did that. You don't have to wait long to find out what did that. No. You definitely don't. No. So we have, let's see. Hold on a second. Yeah, this is a long episode. Like, yes. there's a lot of stuff that happened in it. That's, and I'm trying to remember the order of it all. Um, um, oh, before he got out of the basement, Ash did double barrel the uh, buckshot into the fat demon, and yes. it just kind of like hawked it up like a loogie and spit it back out at him. All the buckshot pellets. That was quite interesting. It was. Yes, because his um, boomstick has always been very effective against deadites, but it wasn't this time for some reason. Yep. Um, but anyway, so Professor Nobi gets killed by 1982 Ruby, who just shows up. <laughs> who's blonde. Yes, who's blonde, and she retrieves the Necronomicon, and then and has the Henrietta dagger. And has the dagger. Henry, well, the 1982 dagger. Yes. And the 1982 Necronomicon. Yep. Uh, Henrietta kills Tanya very violently and viciously behind the stairs. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, with the, uh, after Ash, Defeats Henrietta, which they do it in a cool way. Her neck grows out again, just like in the movie. You yep. know, like it. I I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was cool. It was a nice little nod. I love that Ted Ramey played Henrietta in the costume. <laughs> yes, I thought that was phenomenal as well. Um, 
Yeah, so Ash kills Henrietta, gets upstairs finally, uh, and then uh, he sees... Go you, ahead. you can't forget the most disgusting part of the entire episode, which was the demon breast milk. Oh my god, yes. Like, <laughs> like the episode before, him sucking that black goo out of his leg was bad, but this was... Ted Raimi's Henrietta pulling him in and saying, you know, baby wants a milk and sticking his face on the demon boob. Oh, there was like brown pussy stuff oozing out of it. God, it was terrible. Yeah, it was pretty gross. It was pretty gross. You want a drink from mama? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was gross. Um, yeah, Ash gets upstairs. He sees 1982 Ruby, and because he's Ash, he's completely oblivious to the fact that it looks nothing like his Ruby. Right. I mean, her hair's different. The makeup makes her look younger. I mean, everything. So that was funnier to that was funny to me. <laughs> and um, yeah, then present day Ruby comes in, and then they end up battling 1982 Ruby, and present day Ruby is basically killed by 1982 Ruby. Which 1982 Ruby was very upset with present day Ruby. You know, present yes. day Ruby was like trying to talk to her about stuff. She's like, you know, you don't have to lose your immortality and blah, blah, blah. And you don't have to do this. She's like, basically, you, you can change your destiny. And she's like, but you're with him. He's yes. in the book and, and I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, she was furious over present day Ruby signing with Ash, killing their children, you know, defeating Yeah, Bob. that was the big thing, killing the children. Yeah, so... But uh, one of the so one of the things I, I thought was hilarious, and I'm glad they did it this way, is that Ash still had the chainsaw in his hand yep. when him ran out of the cabin, and they left present day Ruby to try to finish off 1982 Ruby <laughs> because and she the, like looked like she was dead, and Ash like put her eyes yes. closed, and she goes, "I'm not dead, you dumb <laughs> bastard." <laughs> <laughs> well, she weren't moving or anything. <laughs> um, but his hand starts to grow back. Yes. Because episode, Evil Dead Two never happened. He never had to cut his hand off at the wrist because it never went bad. Right. But it but it went bad while it was in the chainsaw. It was growing back while it was in the chainsaw. And I thought yep. that was fun. It was. So he gets the chainsaw off. His hands there. He's all excited. They hear Pablo from the trunk. <laughs> they get Pablo out. <laughs> what was it? Pablo says something about you know. Oh, I got to be a hero like you. And Ash is like, well, you'll never be exactly like me. I'm a like legal me. citizen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a dick move, you know. The guy just came back from the dead, and you're like, well, I got to take a dig here, you know. One of the things I was suspicious of is that Pablo still had all the tattoo, the Kandarian yeah. uh, writing on him. Yep. So I was just like, there's something not right because he still has all that Kandarian writing on him, and he shouldn't if he really had been gone, if nothing had happened. And the other thing I feel like when they had been. Oh, see, maybe they would have been blipped back to the future. Right. But I, don't know, I just felt like something wasn't completely right. And then, of course, we saw it wasn't. Right. Because Ball had killed Pablo. But right before Pablo could destroy Ball, he went into Pablo's dead body. <laughs> As he said, it was a, a blink and you missed it moment. <laughs> and then they cut back and showed us the scene and it looked the same. So, yeah, yep. it was. Um, but that's why when, when Ash thought he was hallucinating and Pablo was telling him to go back in time, that was actually Ball yep. animating Pablo's corpse. Or as Ash calls him, Bill. Bill, yes. Calls him Still Bill. Still to this, time. you know, in the middle of yeah. the fight. Hey, Bill, yeah. look. <laughs> so essentially, Pablo's still dead. Yep. 
Pablo's dead. Ball cuts Pablo's skin suit off him. Yep. And uh, they crash the car. And Ruby's there, 1982 Ruby, who we'll just call Ruby from now on. And uh, they knock out Ash, and they take Kelly and Ash back to the uh, the cabin. And once they wake up, Ash and Ball proceed to have the biggest – who's got the biggest unit conversation <laughs> between each other and then challenge each other to a mano a mano, no, no magic fight, which was hilarious. Yes. Build up. And then when they finally do fight, the fact that they started out with a put your dukes up type walking in circle thing was the best. <laughs> Ash is all excited <laughs> that he has a second hand again. Yeah. And then they go back. They proceed to have one of the greatest worst fights in the history of television as far as oh. it was perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was perfect for this show. But I liked the wager. Yeah. I liked the wager. The wager was if Ash wins – then Ball, Ruby, and their demon children all have are banished to hell forever. Yep. Take the Necromcon with them and never come yeah. back. And if Ash wins, I mean, and then if, if Ball wins, then Ash, then Ball's kids are going to eat Kelly. Yep. And and they're going to take them and, and kill Ash and, you know. And Starchess will reign across the land for thousands forever. of years. Forever. And yep. Ash is cool with that because he's not going to be around anyways. Right. Exactly. Yeah, well, I'm not going to be around. It's look fine. at things. Yeah, <laughs> and then I like later on in the fight when Ruby goes, "Oh, well, you're just getting away from my children to defile and devour you." Wait a second, no one said anything about defiling. Oh, it was implied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was I a like, good fight. I like how Kelly is a very strong character, but at the same time, very devoted and follows Ash. Yes. Yeah, um, but they kept bringing that up. You know, they even gave us a flashback to an earlier episode when she was first meeting the children, and she keeps uh, hearing that whisper in her head that says, "Kelly, why are you following? You're stronger. You should be leading." And that's exactly what eighty-two Ruby was saying to her. Yep, you know, trying to you know, join me. Essentially, she was trying to get her to join them. She was vadering her. You know, yes. join me, and we could rule the galaxy together. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, Kelly wasn't having any of that. Nope. She didn't she fall for it anyway. It didn't, and they didn't even tease it too. Right. Didn't even tease it. So I thought that was kind of nice as well. Um, cause I like the unity that Ash and Kelly and Pablo have together. Right. Had together. Right. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. of course this is a it, this is a slobber knocker of a fight. Like you said, it's cheesy and stupid. You know, knocking Ugh. each other through walls and stuff. It's all through the cabin. But then of course, Ball is a dark lord, whatever. So he's going to cheat. You know, he starts using magic and yeah. turns into Chet to throw Ash off because Ash, for everything that he's seen, is still dumb enough to go. Whoa, wait, it's really Chet. Hey, buddy, I'm yeah. sorry you're gone. What? How is he that dumb? I don't know if it was Ball that turned into Chet or Chet's spirit just appeared there and he's just like, oh, hey, buddy, how's it going? I don't know. It, it was yeah, there's a naivety. Because, there's a naivety, yeah. Yeah, but then he immediately knocks him into the piano and starts doing a very Sam Raimi thing of, you oh, know. Oh, God, playing his, the piano. His, his head is stuck <laughs> in the piano. We get to see it bang, 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 you know, watching all the keys hit him in the face. And then he decides, oh, you know what I should do? 
I should take this chainsaw and cut off your hand, Ash. I know. That was horrible for Ash. Just gets his hand back and already it gets cut off again. In fact, didn't he say something to that effect? Except for it was, it hasn't even held a beer yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ash, Ash is very Deadpool-esque in this episode. You know, he reminds me a lot of Wade Wilson in that kind of stuff. Always has been. Yep. You know, Talking. I don't know. They just they've done a really good job with this TV series. With yep. These two seasons. I'm very excited already for the third season. Um. Yeah. So essentially, they have their big brouhaha blowdown, and all of a sudden, Ash's uh, so Cheryl appears. Yep. So they can get the that, actress in there one more time. Which I thought was great. I'd love seeing Ellen Sandwise again. Yep. And then Brock comes back. Yep. And this is my favorite part about Brock coming back is Ash doesn't hesitate. He just punches him right in the face and attacks him. Yep. And even though Brock's like, no, it's really me. It's not Ball. I'm trying to tell you something. It's that. It's very I important think, for you to know. And he was trying to tell him that secret before he died yep. back in the present. And he just drowns him in the tub instead. Yep. <laughs> and then Ball and walks in and is like, and <laughs> but if it, it still probably wasn't him because then when he looks back down on the tub and Ball's out in the hall, Brock isn't yeah. there, but his chainsaw is. And it, and you hear Brock's voice say like, "Use the chainsaw." Yes. Like yeah. So now it's time for a chainsaw duel, Something which they did. The you know, has needed. The only other thing, time I can recall a chainsaw duel was uh, was it. What's it called? Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, I think it was. Or maybe it was this crappy Part 3 with Dennis Hopper and Leatherface having a chainsaw duel. And it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I just remember thinking, watching this one, hey, they're doing the chainsaw duel right. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. You're like, wow, that guy can really wield an axe. Exactly. In a proper way. Um, So, yeah, they have a great chainsaw duel. And then... Uh, just as, you know, just as Ball is about to kill Ash, Ash uses his cleverness to outwit Ball and drives his own finger into his own stomach and then, you know. His cleverness results him. in one thing. He goes, before you kill me, I just got to know. And he no, motions yes. over his shoulder to Ruby and says, how is she in the sack? <laughs> and Ball just gets this smile on his face like, you know, well. <laughs> and then he grabs his finger and shoves it into his own gut. <laughs> Yep, and then he disembowels a ball with his own, uh, <laughs> with his own finger. And then the, the ground starts to open. Yep. And Ball says, "What did you do?" And Ruby says, "I, you know, I, I, I'm honoring the deal." And I thought she said I altered the deal. No, no, she says I'm enforcing the deal or something oh, okay. like that. She told Ruby, she told Kelly earlier she was altering the deal. That's right. But then when when Ball gets disemboweled and all of a sudden the floor starts to open and this and that, he looks at Ruby like, what have you done? Right. And, and Ruby's like, I'm, I'm honoring the deal. Yep. And uh, yeah. So it kind of looks like that the that Ball, Ruby, their spawn children, and the Necronomicon seemingly fall into the underworld all of uh, drag them to hell. Right, because the like you said, the floor opens up and it's all flaming below that. The cabin itself is now on fire all over the yes. place. It yep. looks like it's going to implode upon itself. But Kelly, Ash and Kelly get out. Kelly and Ash run from the cabin. Yep. 
that they're the only two to get out, and then it does. It just kind of like implodes down into the ground and just leaves a smoldering pile of ashes. Exactly. And then, per the deal, <laughs> Pablo comes back to life as well. That was also part of the deal with Ash, is and, Pablo has to come back. And it was great because his hand shot up through the ground, which was very reminiscent of the original movie poster, except for, you know, yes. his hand was grabbing the girl by the throat. Yep, absolutely. But it really harkened me right back to that poster, and I was like, oh, look! And then he pulls himself out and... With no markings. With no markings this time. Yep. Um, yeah, and so everyone's happily ever after. But they never explain to us how they get back to the future. Right. Back to the future yeah. where the entire town is now celebrating Ash. Not just yeah. like, you know, throwing him a party. There are kids dressed up like him. They all have fake chainsaws. There's a there's balloon floats. There's streamers, red, white, and blue. I mean, this is like... Ash is now very loved. He's incredibly loved and goes on to make a very inappropriate speech to them, calling them a bunch of jerks and assholes and saying, you know, well, I knew you were a bunch of closed-minded idiots and I was right, but now I proved that I wasn't a murderer. And But see, here's my continuity issue. So, what is that? I don't know what that was. Oh, okay. Um, it's something that just popped up on my laptop. I I, I hit the sound off. Oh, nice. Was... <laughs> um, so here's my continuity issue. They they go back to the future. They're all celebrating Ash. And we see his father and Chet and his sister all as Jedi ghosts, basically, which was hilarious. Um, uh, the little nod, yes, it was awesome. But why are they dead? Because if he stopped the book from falling into his hands and none of that ever happened, then he never went to the cabin and never killed his sister. So why is she dead? Why is Chet dead as a result? Why did these people even know that an incident happened in, in Elks? Right. Like, I thought we actually might see, um, you know, Hal Delrich and Betsy Baker alive as yeah. older people. You know yeah. what I mean? I can't think of Hal Delrich's real name, but that's the stage name he used in the movie to play Scotty. But I thought we'd see Scotty and Linda and, and everybody else. Now, the only, like alive, the only we thing that I could think of was the fact that at the very end of his speech and all that stuff and all the celebrations and him telling, you know, his new girlfriend that he wants some sugar is that you see Ruby in the crowd and she turns and walks away. And this is the blonde Ruby from 1982. Yes. Who's now in the future with them. I I kept expecting it to be like some kind of hallucination or like, you know, some kind of demon induced trip because those people should be alive. Right. I, 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 yeah. I was wondering the same thing. I'm hoping in season three they get into that. Well, the post-credit scene. There was a post-credit scene? Yeah. I missed it. Damn. Uh, And in the post-credit scene, the Necronomicon is picked up from an unknown person, but somebody picks it up at the remains of the cabin. Ah. So Ash could have picked the book up, for all we know, back in 19. Like, they showed up at the cabin anyways and picked it up. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, but we don't know. But the only reason that the book ever did anything was because they played the recording of the professor. Right, right. But now and, they and can't translation. because it's been burned down. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. I, I hope for their sake that they really explore that. Because that is a pretty tremendously huge continuity issue. Yes, it is. I mean, it's one thing to like retcon some stuff out, but in this case, they undid the movies, like you said. So his yeah. sister should be alive, 
as a result, Chet should be alive. His father should yep. be alive because the Deadites never should have followed him into the future. None exactly. of these people should be celebrating him because it shouldn't have been like a, you saved us from Deadites. It should be nothing ever happened. We don't know anything that's going on. Why do you have one hand? Right. And yep. he's decided, too, that you know he doesn't want to go back to Fort Lauderdale. He's going to stay in Elk Grove and protect and, him and, from evil. And the other thing, too, that you have to think about is realistically, if once once Pablo crawled back out of the ground and the deal was done and everything else, yep. they all should have just like kind of popped away. Yeah. Like existence should have ceased for them because it was an alternate yeah. timeline. Yeah, they should have just faded away. And then we'd cut to the guys pulling up to the cabin, be like, "Oh, there's no cabin here." Exactly. And then that that actually kind of should be the end of the series. Yep. So I don't know. There's there's a big continuity issue there. They better have a plan for season three. Yep. I mean, I'm still going to watch it, of course. But of course, of course. But yeah, there's definitely a big continuity issue there. Yep. So yeah, um, loved the show though. Loved yeah, the show. Absolutely. Loved the season. Absolutely. I uh, I really enjoyed it, and it was a lot of fun, and it went out on a good note, even if it is not a very continuous note. Yes, very controversial good note. Yes. Uh, so anyhow, um, you want to talk about Timeless? Yeah, might as well stick on the time-traveling theme. Why not? So this week's episode, uh, our heroes travel back in time to uh, – the time of George Washington and the uh, the kind of the weekend or the day he was betrayed by Benedict Arnold. Yes. And what's important is our, our heroes are then trapped by – well, let's, let's go back a little bit. The agent, Agent Christopher, invites um, – oh, what's her name? Lucy over for dinner. Yep. And she's a lesbian, we find out. Or maybe we knew and I don't remember. But anyways, essentially she wanted to give Lucy a thumb drive that had pictures of her wife and daughter and on and on and on because she thought about what happened to Lucy's mom or Lucy's mom doesn't have any memory of a daughter she once had and she doesn't want to have that happen. So she wants Lucy to keep that with her just in case something happens uh, so that she can give her that thumb drive to remind her of what she had so that way she'll never forget them. Which doesn't make sense because if she never knew she had him to begin with, then there's nothing to forget because no memories were made. Right, yeah. right. But and that, then that, it's kind of a good failsafe, you know. Like you said, it's right. all the pictures and stuff, and then a letter from myself to myself. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I hate to do this. I just want to step back a little bit to Evil Dead real quick. Sure. I apologize. Uh, I, I, I was looking this up, which is why I maybe sound a little lost at one point. But Professor Noby, the voice is a Bob Dorian. Okay. He's the voice on the recorder from the original Evil Dead and the new Evil Dead in 2013. And then John Peaks is, plays him on screen in Evil Dead 2. <laughs> And then in Ash vs. Evil Dead, Episodes 9 and 10, he's played on screen by Nicholas Hope. Okay. So So three different people. Yeah. Yeah, Cool. But, which is funny, in Evil Dead 2, when they showed the footage of Nobi recording his voice on the recorder, it was still Bob Dorian's voice that you heard in the voiceover. You just saw the the actor, you know, in physical form was that actor, so. Gotcha. Anyhow, sorry. Back to Timeless. Yes. So she's created this basically care package for herself. Yes. You know, a I, I will believe my own words kind of thing. 
which Correct. is good. It, it's smart thinking. It's smarter thinking than most of the other people who send themselves out on time travel missions over and over again. They haven't come up with something like that. And I'm still going to say I can't believe they haven't trained somebody else new to drive the ship. Kind of like I can't believe it's not butter? Pretty much. Yeah. In fact, you've got Rufus in the beginning playing video games with the girl lab tech who's like, you know, really cozying up to him. They're really kind of getting buddy-buddy. You'd yeah. think that they'd say, hey, why don't you train her how to pilot in your off time? You know, it would be an opportunity Something for like you two to spend time together and yeah. we'd have a backup in case, you know, something happens to the one black guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, every like like we've said before, every time they go into a new time period, it's always bad for the black guy, and he's sure to point that out. This was no exception, you know? One of the nope. first things he's asked is, are you a free man? And then beyond that, they're like, let's leave him behind. Let's not bring him in. He's going to attract attention. Put him with the other slaves. Yep. And uh, But while we're talking about that, when he was playing, when uh, Rufus was playing the computer games or whatever, what game system were they playing, John? I don't even care because people always mess those things up. So yep, I just saw they that they do. were playing video games and closed my eyes and said, la, 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 I'm not going to partake in this <laughs> foolishness. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so him and I think her name, uh, whatever her name is, they were playing the games and then Connor Mason showed up at, yep. the, at her house. And basically what he told Rufus was is they can tell you're tampering with the recordings. You need to stop doing it. Yep. Stop, stop tampering with it because I yep. can't protect you or your family if you do it again. Yeah. So our heroes go back in time to the time of Benedict Arnold, and they are captured by Washington and his men, who is going to execute them for because he doesn't believe them, essentially. And then Flynn shows up, and Garcia Flynn essentially walks in the room. They have a Mexican standoff for a few minutes and then says, I told Washington you were working for me. You're my spies. Put the gun away. We need to work together on this so we can stop Rittenhouse because Rittenhouse is just one man. A guy named David Rittenhouse. He's not a group. He's one man. And in the episode of Bonnie and Clyde where they get the key and you see Flynn open up the clock at the end and that scroll comes out, what that is is that's a letter from uh, Benedict Arnold to his wife. And he talks about Rittenhouse in that scroll. And that's why Flynn went to this time uh, of Benedict Arnold to – he wants to capture and basically interrogate Benedict Arnold to see what he knows about Rittenhouse. Right. So after some uh, discussion, uh, Wyatt, Lucy, and, and Rufus, they have to talk Lucy into it, but they agree to work with Flynn because Flynn will tell uh, – because basically Flynn says, we do this and it's over. Yeah. There's no more time travel. You're not chasing me around. And then he turns to Wyatt and says, and I'll tell you who kills your wife. <laughs> he, he tells Wyatt that. He tells Rufus, you won't have to record them anymore because I already know yeah. about your recorder. And he tells yeah. Lucy, here's some pages out of your notebook so that you can see by your own words. It was a very Wizard of Oz kind of moment. Oh, big time. And then my favorite is uh, when they're talking about it, Rufus is going, stop, stop. We can't talk about this. We can't talk about this. Uh, cause he's, you know, he's afraid to tamper the recording. And that's like Flynn's like, we know, we all know. Yeah. <laughs> You're recording us and you won't have to anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, so they agree to help him. Uh, they go, they, they, here's the thing. All right. When they're running at the British line and they're saying we're defectors, <laughs> we're defectors, we're defectors. Uh, and the British just open the gates and let them through. I'm like that, that seemed a little easy. Like they, they were very non-suspicious of that. Yeah. 
so, because they were being chased by the guys in blue. Haven't you ever watched an episode of G.I. Joe? <laughs> the guys in blue were chasing them and trying to shoot at them and missing somehow. Right. And that's all it takes because there's no reason to suspect that they are trying to, you know, fool them at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So they go, they, uh, they get, uh, they get an audience with Benedict Arnold and Lord Cornwallis. And this is kind of, I'm wondering how this is going to affect the future when we go back because Flynn getting impatient kills Cornwallis. Yes. And she says, uh, in 20 years, he's supposed to negotiate the treaty between Napoleon and England. Yeah. And, and Flynn's just like, they'll get some other guy in a red coat to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Flynn has total disregard. Do, but it could which be a massive maybe, change. You know, we don't know because of how the episode ended. Right. And, uh, and essentially, that's when Arnold reveals to them that Rittenhouse is not a group. It's one person. It's a man. And we get a reminder of why Lucy's brought along on all these missions, because she sits there and tells Benedict Arnold his life story, essentially, appealing to him. You know, oh, you did this, and you got pinned down, and you stayed alive, and you yep. were so great. And when it came time for you to be promoted, they passed you over, and yep. General Washington didn't step up and help you out. He just left you yep. there. and You must have been so hurt. And so he's like, oh, he was my brother. He was my my best friend, and he didn't help me out. He betrayed me. So that was her reason for coming along was to have those historical facts that, of course, Flynn also probably knew. But well, yeah. I don't know. Flynn seems to know a lot, but Lucy definitely is the one that that knows the stuff. Yeah, about things. Flynn knows how to be a cowboy. Apparently, we we got that for some reason. Yes, yes, because Flynn's good with horses. Yeah. And he wanted to be a cowboy when he was a kid because of a comic book. Yeah. So uh, Arnold takes them, Benedict Arnold takes them to uh, Rittenhouse's compound, essentially. And they leave Rufus behind because... Well, yes, as they're getting closer, they leave Rufus behind because he's black. They probably should have left Lucy behind, as Flynn said, or yep. Arnold said, or whatever. But, you know, because they pointed out they were like, a woman? All he's going to see is whether or not you should be in his bedchambers. And that's exactly what he did. Ooh, in the he's creepiest way. Really creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, your hips are a little narrow. Have you ever birthed a child? No, I haven't. Oh, well, there's still time. Yeah, basically. and he's like, and, got his uh, hand in her yeah. mouth, and he's like, well, let's see those teeth. Oh, those are good-looking teeth, yeah. Yeah. It was creepy. It was creepy. And then immediately he, he basically tells his men to seize them because Flynn's looking at him like a man who wants to kill him, and he's seen that look before. Yeah, and your hand is near your coat where you undoubtedly have a pistol. Let me take that pistol. Oh, my God, this thing's yes. amazing. Oh, yeah, he gets that 9 millimeters hand, and he ends up uh, shooting Benedict Arnold for being foolish and like just unloads times. the clip because he's <laughs> fascinated by the gun. But back up a little bit. Before Rittenhouse comes in the room, right. we meet his son. His son, John. And his son is basically like a propaganda machine. <laughs> Dude, his son is like the poster boy for Nazism. Oh, like my goodness, Blonde yes. hair, blue eyes, and he's just, like you said, spewing rhetoric. Yeah. Father says, father says, father says so openly to these people. And the kids, I don't know, he's like 12 or something, but he's just uh, – And one yeah. of the things that he says is, you know, it's best done from the shadows where no one can see you. Then stop yeah. talking about it. Have you never heard I of the know. first rule of Fight Club? <laughs> we don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. God. Yeah. I know. Unreal. Unreal. So anyhow, Rainhouse comes in and, of course, it's Rufus that saves the day. Right. 
Rufus Burt, because Rufus goes in with the other slaves and then takes a gun from a guy rather easily because Rufus has apparently got skills. Not only that, but think about what he's always saying, and it's kind of true. Back then, the slaves were very oh, yeah. unassuming. You know, when one of them got out of line, you knocked them around. Yeah. They never yeah. fought back for anything. So yeah. nobody so would expect would... them to. Oh, and what about the episode where he goes and steals the uniforms at the casino because <laughs> no one noticed me? Exactly. Yep. I like how they're playing it though, like that. Rufus is um, the way they play it off. It's they do it in a good humorous way at times, yes. or in a logical way. Yep. So Rufus bursts in, kills one of the guys with their flintlock guns. Yep. And then there's a brawl, and then everyone's dead, and the last people standing are Rittenhouse, Flynn Garcia, Flynn Garcia, Wyatt, and Lucy, and then of course Rufus. And Rittenhouse starts cutting a promo about how, you know, killing me isn't going to stop this. And before he can finish, Flynn just shoots him. Yep. Which is good. Yeah. Gives me mad props for uh, Flynn at that point. Oh, because he is so focused. And Rufus just is like, you did it. Well, he could see the bigger picture. That's the thing. These guys have been chasing him all this time, trying to stop one thing at a time. And granted, there can be some massive changes in history. But he sees the big picture, and he knows that you know you cut off the head before it's a hydra. And well, it's one of those things they always say: if you could go back in time and kill Hitler before he rose to power, right, or Napoleon, or whoever, you know, and they've essentially done it. But we don't know what's about. But then he immediately goes, "Where's his son? His son's just like him. We need to stop his son." And then now Lucy's moral dilemma goes through the roof because you can't kill a kid. And Flynn's just like, "It doesn't matter if he's a kid or not, because you he, all heard him. It's not like he was just sitting in the corner. No, yeah, like this kid was spewing the rhetoric. Yes. He is yes. all about it. Absolutely, but like." You even see him with his father. He was scared of his father. He asked his father, don't kill them in front of me. Yep. And his father's like, you need to learn the rules of the ways of the world. You know, his father was still just being a hard ass about it. So Flynn chases him down. Everyone set Lucy and Ru- Lucy, Rufus and Wyatt all separate trying Which to find John. made zero sense because she said to them, you guys go find Flynn. I'll find the kid. Yeah, you yeah. don't know where either of them are going. Yeah. Why don't you just kind of split up or stay together? But don't assign people things like that. Just go look for people. Yes, find uh, either the kid or Flynn. They're on Flynn, a collision course. Flynn finds John. Yep. John begs Flynn not to kill him. Oh, not just begs. He's slobbering. Please. Oh yeah. Flynn hesitates. And then when he finally like – okay, so there's this thing I learned from watching some training videos when I started at the police department and everything. And one of the videos is when like – when you're in a standoff scenario with with somebody, a suspect, and you've made eye contact with them and you're talking the whole time and on and on and on and on and on. When the suspect breaks eye contact, he's essentially resetting himself so that he can look back and he doesn't see the person he was just talking to anymore. And that's essentially what Flynn does in this. Flynn breaks eye contact to the kid so we can reset himself so we can get back and be more determined to kill him. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Which I mean, I've seen the videos. I've seen the shootings. So that's what Flynn does. So I, I don't know. My weird head, that's where I went to. Except when he turns back around, Lucy's there blocking the way. And apparently Lucy is large enough. The, the pencil straw woman of it that she is to block Flynn's view of watching John run away. <laughs> Yeah, that was John very does. unbelievable. Yeah, John runs away. Garcia is now 
completely infuriated with it all. And then I believe he says to her, I'll show you what you've done, and then drags her off to the to their time machine. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that you understood yeah. what, what was at stake here. So I'm curious as to where they're going. But, of course, the episode ends with Lucy being dragged into their, their space pod and then blipping away. And that was the end of the episode, and we're on our mid-season uh, – not really mid-season, but we're, we're just at our – that was episode 10 out of, I think originally it was 13 and they extended it to 18, if I remember correctly. 16. They extended 16. it to 16, okay. yeah. So, and, um, you know, we, we get the promo that says, you know, on January, whatever, the search yeah. for Lucy begins. And I'm sure it'll be over in the same episode. It's not going to be dragged out that long. Right, yeah, I would assume. But we're on that, that was, uh, you can't really call it a mid season finale because it's like their three quarter season finale. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's that. Uh, it's a great show. My wife's one of my wife's favorites. Wait, wait. Every week up until now, you have said that this is your wife's favorite show. You have reminded us that your wife has said this is her favorite show. Why are you now backtracking and saying it's one of her favorite shows? Did, oh, let did me that, correct myself. It's my wife's favorite show. Did, did that country music show come back on? Nashville? I don't think she's watching Nashville. Oh. Hold on. Let me ask her. She just walked in. Are you watching Nashville, honey? It hasn't started yet. So no. Uh. She, so for now, Timeless is her favorite. She she says it either starts next week or it started last night, but it, it is about to, to come back to us. Okay, gotcha. On, on, and she just wanted to remind people out there who like the show, it is no longer on NBC. It's now going to be on CMT. Sorry, it's no longer going to be on ABC. It's now on Country Music Television. Yep. yep. I'll make a note of that. Oh, John's going to make a note of that, honey. Thank you. <laughs> so anyhow, what you got? What else did you watch? Because I'm that's those are the only two weekly shows that were still left on the air this week. I uh, besides Supernatural, which I'm way behind. Yeah, uh, I did watch Adam Ruins Everything this week. It was Adam Ruins Justice, and it was a very light episode. Not light as in lighthearted, but uh, as in, like, usually what happens is uh, they'll do – you've heard me talk about it. There's different themes. You know, it might be uh, it, when Adam ruined the Wild West, at first it was about uh, women – or sorry, women were the second part after the second commercial break. And then the third part, you know, they, they break it up. In this one, the first one before the first commercial break was literally just the story of the woman who burned herself in the McDonald's coffee. And it – set the stage for the rest of it about how the justice system is messed up. And it was very interesting because, you know, they set it up with one of the characters being like, yeah, that woman won a million bucks and, you know, she coffee's hot. You shouldn't even. And it's kind of the story, like even up until recently, I had been under the impression of, but it's not the whole story. He explained the entire story, which was, you know, this was a 78 year old woman. She was not driving. Her grandson had driven her to McDonald's. Um, she was sitting in the parking lot. The vehicle was not moving. She had the coffee between her legs. Uh, the, the lid came open and it spilled on her thighs and her crotch. And she even admitted that it was her fault for the spill. But the fact is that it was so hot that it scarred her thighs and her genitalia. And she had to have, um, skin grafts and major surgery. And she was disfigured as a result of it. And her out-of-pocket bills were $20,000 plus. So she 
contacted McDonald's through a lawyer and said, I would like help with these bills because it was your coffee that was so hot. And they basically said they delayed for about six months and then offered her $800 towards her $20,000 worth of bills and said, you know, that's all you're getting. So she didn't want to say anything, didn't want to say anything. And finally, her lawyer was like, look, let's take him to court. And it was found that a lot of McDonald's, including that one there, were serving their coffee at over 190 degrees. And that it was very dangerous and that they knew this. They knew that it was scalding hot and it was just business practice for them because they wanted to have hot coffee for people. Um, so she took them to court on her lawyer's, you know, advice and the jury basically said, no, they need to be punished. They need to be, um, made accountable for this kind of stuff. And she was awarded just under $600,000 as a result of it. So then what happened was all the corporate lawyers, started a smear campaign against her and against people suing for frivolous things and made it sound like the story that we all hear today, which is, you know, a young woman was drinking coffee and spilled it on herself and decided to sue and got a million dollars. And that's why we get all these jokes about how, you know, in America, you could just sue somebody for hot coffee. You should have known the coffee was hot. And, you know, they even showed clips from Seinfeld where they were making fun of it and commercials on TV and parody music videos saying, you know, spill coffee on your lap, get a million bucks. It was a country music video but it's not true at all that was all propaganda from corporate lawyers trying to keep people from holding companies accountable and it was set up by big ones like you know microsoft and mcdonald's and texaco and all the big fun guys philip morris and he was talking about how they even will hire people to go out and protest that kind of stuff so the higher actors or just day laborers to go stand around protesting saying, you know, don't sue for frivolous things. Don't be stupid. Uh, suing is bad. It's not the American way so that big companies don't have to be held accountable because the public opinion is swayed against them. But that was all just before the first commercial break. It was just that one thing and talking about that. Excuse me. That's, that's really interesting actually. Like I'm kind of fascinated hearing about that because I had only heard the the smear campaign, if you will, and yeah. the ridiculousness of it all. But to hear the other side of it, Adam didn't ruin that one. Nope. Adam did good on that one. I, I think he did as well. I, I think that, that you're right. It's something that's very interesting and very, you know, poignant because I've been joking about it too. I, I was talking to somebody, it might have been Kelly, who pointed out that my facts were wrong and that, you know, it was somebody who the coffee was way too hot and that McDonald's was serving coffee way too hot. Um, so it was good to, to see all of this spread out like that. And the fact that she did get disfigured, third degree burns on thighs and genitalia. I mean, that's some hot coffee right there. That is a little bit too hot coffee. Um, and then when we came back from the commercial break, it was talking about uh, juries and how this was very interesting because they were talking about how there are certain biases that jury members have, like pretty people will undoubtedly get lesser sentences. Um, juries are less likely to convict people wearing glasses because of the nerd effect. They seem to think that, you know, oh, if you're wearing glasses, you're too nerdy to have actually committed a crime kind of thing. Um, and... 
how jurors basically have their own personal biases and they bring them to the courtroom because there's no reason not to. Most states, they'll pay jurors less than slave wage. You know, some states it's actually $4 an hour essentially to be on jury duty. So you're missing out on regular work, getting paid $4 an hour to sit there on jury duty. You've got no real reason to care about it. Um, what is it? Yeah, it, you're basically, it's treated like a punishment. You have to go to jury duty, miss out on your life, miss out on your job, etc. Um, they said some states, the turnout is so low that they've had to postpone murder trials because they couldn't get enough people to show up for jury duty, let alone enough people so that they could strike some and uh, fill it out with a group of unbiased peers. Um, but they were talking about... The Jury Consultants, which that show Bull that's on TV right now is all about, and it's a legitimate business. They said that there are some of these consultants that will make $300,000 in a case because they go through and they will curate a jury. They'll look at potential juror members. They'll look at their Facebook pages, their Instagrams. Uh, they'll research them, they'll talk to them and find out what their biases are and then use that to their advantage. You know, They'll say, okay, this person doesn't like black people. So if you're trying to convict a black person, you want this person on your jury. If you're trying to defend a black person, you don't want this person on your jury. And it's an entire business. The show seems to go a little bit above and beyond. I think I've talked about it before where they managed to assemble these, you know, mirror jurors and they've got all this technology that lets you measure their heartbeat and stuff. I think that's a bit over the top, but that stripped away. The show is actually quite fun. I really enjoy it. And it's an actual thing that they were talking about here. It's a real science and a real business that has sprung up where people will consult and tell you. They said that the jury's minds can be made up by this, you know, by these consultants. The yep. jury has already decided before the trial even starts based on their considerations. Well, I had I had heard of that, like the, the TV show Bull. I had heard that that was actually true and real and most likely in bigger cities like Los Angeles, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Places in Texas, maybe even especially with the, the death penalty is so prevalent there. Yep. But um, excuse me. But the the fact that they get such absorbent fees for that, I mean, like, like you know what I mean? Like, it just seems seems it just seems unreal. Yeah. It's and it really crazy. makes you feel like some things. Like, if you have a lot of money, you can really rig anything you want. Yep. Remember, um, remember that movie, Runaway Journey? Uh, Journey, Run- Runaway Jury was a jo- yes. John Cusack and Gene Hackman, I think it was, and Rachel Vice. Great that movie. Was just a great movie. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to bring up but, that was a great movie. But no, yeah, that was basically along the same lines, you know. Yeah. Uh, manipulating a jury, figuring out which ones, not even like blackmailing a jury, just figuring out which ones would be the best bet because of their own personal biases, slants, etc. And I'm telling you, if you like that kind of stuff, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, check out the show Bull. It's actually a good show. I very much enjoyed it. It's supposedly based loosely on Dr. Phil from, you know, Oprah fame, because that's what he used to do before he went on to become Dr. Phil, was he was a jury consultant. Yep. I had no idea. But I really, I have been enjoying the show quite a bit. It's not my favorite show on TV, but every time I watch it, I enjoy it. Um. 
so they, they've started adding this thing during Adam Ruins Everything. Every time during the commercial breaks, they'll add in little facts that may not pertain to the show itself, but they're little fun ones. And this one was about the Secret Service. And it was talking about how before the Secret Service, and to this day too, we all know this, uh, before the Secret Service had anything to do with the president, they were about counterfeit money. Because back in Lincoln's day, banks were allowed to print their own money and they could decide on the designs and whatever. So it was so easy to counterfeit because you could just be like, oh, I got this from a different bank. So Lincoln created the Secret Service to go out and stop counterfeit. That was their one job. And he assigned them all that. And the very same night, okay, so the day that he created the Secret Service to go out and fight counterfeit was the night that he got shot in Ford's Theater. Really coincidental (laughs) that the group that would someday be there to protect the president from being assassinated would be created on the day that he was assassinated. And they said that it took two more assassinations, Garfield and McKinley, before they finally decided that there should be a group that protects the president from being assassinated. And that's when the Secret Service was shifted to that as well. But still to this day, I remember at Linens and Things one day, we had a guy show up and say, hey, I'm from the Secret Service, and your bank alerted me that you guys turned in this $100 bill that was counterfeit. We'd like to know if you have any security tapes, et cetera, because that's still their primary function is counterfeit money. I thought that was kind of cool. And it wasn't until – yeah, that is really cool. I'm telling Kate now. It wasn't until after two other presidential assassinations before they finally said, you know what? The Secret Service should probably protect the president. Yep. Garfield and McKinley were both assassinated yeah. before they said, okay. Garfield and McKinley. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So then, so Adam hasn't really ruined anything this episode so far. No. No. In fact, and then the last part is something that we probably all kind of knew, but it's good stuff anyway. Um they were talking about the public defender system and they basically said that, you know, 80% of people incarcerated need public defenders and you get jack squat as pay for a public defender, you know, compared to if you were to go work at an actual law firm, you could make at least double what you're going to make as a public defender. So that's why a lot of people don't do public defending. So then we have a shortage of them. They were talking about one uh, public defender in Minnesota could only afford 12 minutes per client because he was so overbooked. So basically 12 minutes, you're out, you're on to the next client. So there's no way that they can actually prepare a viable defense, which is why you find a lot of plea deals, which is why you find a lot of people going away anyway. Uh, not to mention the fact that government funding goes more to uh, the prosecution than it does to the defenders. So for every dollar spent on prosecution, there's only 53 cents spent on public defenders. And the prosecution team will usually have five people for every one that the defense team has. So it's very much stacked against the defense when it comes down to it, which you might say for some of the criminals out there, that's a good thing. You know, if the prosecution can put away criminals, but what about the people who didn't commit the crime? What about the, you know, what if you find yourself in front of a jury one day and you're like, I'm innocent. I didn't commit the crime. Knowing that it's stacked that hard against you could kind of suck a little bit. You know, I'm listening to you say this, and I'm trying to find this episode of This American Life that I listen to. It's a This American Life is a podcast. It's on um, NPR. I have. Heard is it, it this one here? Anyways, but they talk about this guy. Yeah, so they don't on the podcast listings. It only goes back so far. Like they don't just leave all of them up. They take out the old episodes. But they did an episode about a guy. A lawyer who, in the state he was in, whatever state that was, 
And now I have to stay in the state of euphoria because of Max Payne and WCW professional wrestling in the mid-90s. Um, anyhow, so uh, in the state this guy works in, he is a personal injury lawyer. That's what he does. He's an ambulance chaser. Yep. Okay, And he's had a practice for years. I mean, this guy's in his 60s now, and he's had a practice for 40 years, and that's all he's ever done is personal injury law, nothing else. And the public defender's office was so backed up. Kate says she thinks it's Louisiana, which I think she's right. It sounds right. That sounds about right. We're so backed up that the judges were just assigning, basically going, hey, give me the list of people who are you know lawyers in the state, and then just assigning people who are lawyer defense attorneys cases, even yep. if they're not in the public defender's office, and and they have no choice. They have to take them. So this guy talks about the process that when he gets assigned this case, you know – the whole process he has to go through and how unbelievably ludicrous that it is. And I, I, I can't quote it all too much right now because I, I just don't remember it all. Right. But um, it was really fascinating listening to how the process is done and everything. And the fact that he showed up with any – in fact, that when he showed up for trial with any like background information at all, the prosecuting attorney just said, we're going to dismiss the charges. <laughs> and the guy was furious because he spent all kinds of money, time, and everything, you know, to be the best defender he could for this kid. Yep. Of course, he tried to get out of it at first, <laughs> right? Because he's like, I'm a personal injury lawyer; I don't handle theft and this and that and everything. But, but yeah, it was just it was really interesting. So a yeah. lot of these issues that they were talking about, uh, they said that in South Carolina. South Carolina will yeah. actually charge people for their public defenders, even though it's written in that you will, if you cannot afford an offender, one will be appointed to you. They actually charge people for them because they can't, they, they don't pay for them. They can't pay for them, et cetera. It's ridiculous, but these are all issues that show how broken the system is. And it's one of the reasons that I chose not to go on law school after I was done with school. Like, my teachers asked me if I wanted to. It sounded interesting, but this kind of stuff isn't going away. You know, no matter yep. what side you pick, you're kind of screwed. Um, I, Kate found it actually. It's episode 595, Dead End of the Pool. Jack Bailey meet Travis Teen Hardy. And essentially, he was a personal injury lawyer. He had a one page document from the court that was faxed to his office that said, Hey, you have to defend this guy on this burglary charge. And, um, yeah. And that was all the evidence he got and everything? That was all he got. He got nothing else from them. Just that one page document facts. It's the, the public defender's office in Cato Parish, Louisiana. Wow. Began declining cases due to the lack of funding just one week before. Yeah, they started declining cases due to funding. And so that's when they started just, you know, um, Issuing out cases to anyone that was a uh, a lawyer, essentially. But again, you think about it, and kind of like with the McDonald's story earlier on, yep. the the one thing that we all are force fed, and the one thing that we all think about is that slimy defender. the The defense yep. lawyer is that slimy guy who tries to get the criminals off. You know, he's just a, a real douchebag. And granted, there are plenty of them out there. I'm sure, especially in the corporate sector. I'm probably going to get sued for this, but whatever. But yeah. You know, there's plenty of them out there that are crooked, but when it comes down to just the people who are defending the normal people, you know, the guy picked up for having three joints on him or the guy yep. who, you know, 
public intoxication or mis- whatever it is. I'm not even going to get into it because we could have a whole debate about different crimes, different punishments. That's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast right. is what we watched. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing is that they were trying to dispel is that when it comes to being a public defender, it's hell. And yeah. your clients don't get the necessary representation that they should, especially when they're being charged for it, like in South Carolina, or when the deck is stacked against them completely. So there was a there was a TV show. Seeing how we're talking about TV shows to tie this in, uh-huh. there was a TV show about that. Uh, I think it was done by Dick Wolf, uh, Law and Order fame. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what it was called now. Yes, I'm typing on the internet to find it out, but it had. Um, you should type on your keyboard instead; it works better. Correct. Uh, what is the name of that actor that we that uh, Eric Bar- Balfour was in it? I think it was. That's how his name, Eric Balfour. Was this it, like it lasted for half a season? If that, yeah, I think yeah, it lasted like half a season. Yeah, it was something like Public Defense or something. Yeah, but I believe it was a Dick Wolf a Dick Wolf show. Let's see Probably. here. Television. Same grace. Dino Shark. Criminal. No, not Criminal Intent. Conviction. That was the one? Yeah, it was called Conviction. And that was a Dick Wolf series. It was a mid-season replacement. And Stephanie March from SVU went over as Cabot, and there was the public defender's office. Gotcha. And it didn't last long because people were like, we don't want to see that. (laughs) Yeah, 13 episodes. We don't want to see an underfunded group of people. So I watched uh, I watched a, a new TV show. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you all done with Adam Ruins and yes. everything? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Nope. Um, I, again, I don't find anything for me in this episode. I thought uh, – I don't think so either. Although next week they previewed Adam will ruin Christmas. Of course he will. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> so um, I watched a, a TV show, I guess. It's on Netflix. And it is called Glitch, and I might have touched based on it last week a little bit. But essentially, it uh, it was uh, made by the Australian Broadcasting Company, and uh, it ABC? came for ABC. <laughs> yep. And uh, this actually, the series actually came out in 2015, and it was just put on Netflix in 2016. October 2016. So uh, a second season has been renewed, but I don't even know if they've started filming yet based on what I can see. And it's been over a year, so I don't know if it's been dropped or not. I can't really find a whole lot of information about it because it's an Australian show and this is America. So anyways, um, but they got the Netflix original series tag on it because of what it is. It's only six episodes. They're about an hour apiece, 55 minutes. And essentially uh, what it is is they're in a small town called Urana. Australia, and I believe it's a fictional town. And on the first episode, people start crawling out of their graves. Okay. And it's not everybody. We don't know why it is who it is. It's like six or seven people. Um, they never establish why they're the ones that rose, if you will. But they did. The uh, <clears throat> There's a, a policeman that finds them, and he calls for an ambulance because he doesn't realize that they're dead. He calls for an ambulance, and uh, a doctor shows up saying that the ambulance is busy, and so she shows up to help them. She's like their local surgeon. It's like an isolated town. So they bring everyone back to her office, and that's when he sees his dead wife who died two years before from cancer. 
and that's when he starts to realize that all these people must have died at some time. And everyone that we meet, they died anywhere from a hundred and you know almost two hundred years ago to just two years ago. And throughout the course of the series, we learn why they died, how they died. Uh, in some cases, you know, some some of them died. Some of them were murdered. Others died of well, none of them died of natural causes. Really, either they died in war, or they were murdered, or maybe they killed themselves, or whatever it was. But we learn about each one of these characters and how they died and their story behind it. And it's done in a really cool way. But of course the main drama, the main focus of the whole thing is the main character, Sergeant James Hayes played by uh, Patrick Bramall and his now animated wife, uh, Kate and sorry, not Kate, Sarah and his new wife, Kate, and, uh, yeah, Kate and Sarah were best friends. And then when she died, you know, they end up getting together and now Sarah's pregnant. And so there's all that drama to deal with. So there's a big relationship drama, of course, and everything else. And then there's, um, the simple fact that they can't leave Urana for whatever reason. And they don't know why, but like, when they ever, whenever they try to leave the, the the town, and I can't figure out if the town is is on an island or just every road leaving the town's a bridge. But whenever they try to leave the the town line, they start to, I guess, for lack of a better word, decay, and they don't know why. Huh. Yeah. So I'm not going to give away a lot of the a lot of the stuff because it's on Netflix now. And it's only six episodes, and everyone has a chance to watch it. But I really enjoyed it, and I ended up watching three. I watched three episode. I watched it in two three episode blocks. So definitely cool. should check it out. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting, and um, yeah. If they ever make a second season, I will be sure to check it out. <laughs> but again, I don't know if they are. Um, Patrick Bramall, who plays the sergeant, is on another Netflix original series, which isn't – again, it's not a Netflix original series. It's another ABC Australia series called Strange Calls that I had watched previously. And this was he, – he played – he wasn't the main character in this. He was a secondary character. But essentially what it is is this guy shows up again. It's another remote, small Australian town, and he is the night police officer. He's the only one that's on at night. And his job, and every night he gets a weird, quote unquote, strange call. Rather it be supernatural in nature or spectral in nature or whatever it is. And it's how he deals with it. And it's a completely comedy series. They're about 30 minute episodes. I think there's six up there as well. That's pretty good as well. Huh. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You got any other movies or shows or anything you watched? Uh, yeah, did you check out this week's episode of Son of Zorn? I have not watched the last few episodes of Zorn. Okay. It, it, I know we don't really talk about it a lot since it came out. It was a good episode. It was the Christmas episode, except for instead of Christmas, Zorn celebrates Grapplenick. Uh, Grapplenick. 
and it's a holiday that is celebrated because uh, there was a guy, I believe his name was Grafelnik, and his daughter decided she wanted to study abroad, and so she went to Paris to study, and then she was kidnapped. And so Grafelnik had a very particular set of skills that he used to uh, go over there and track her down and get revenge on everybody by killing them this, all in the process. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> His son was like, this sounds like the movie Taken. He goes, oh, I don't know about that, but this is what it is. And he's talking about it. And Craig's like, wow, this sounds really great. I really like the story of Graflick. And his son's like, yeah, you should check out the movie. It's great. So, yeah, it was basically the idea of Taken. Awesome. But it's a holiday for nothing but revenge. So you you start off by punching somebody in the face to wish them a happy Graflick. And uh, you declare revenge on all of your enemies and go about – you know, foiling their stuff. Uh, we learned that Craig is afraid of Santa because of something that happened during his childhood where his estranged father showed up and attacked his stepfather. And it, it was great because he's telling Edie all this. And he's like, you know, I, I didn't want to tell you this because I've been embarrassed and I was afraid you'd leave me. And he gets done with the whole story and it's like traumatic and everything. She's like, oh, honey, you realize most women would be packing their bags by right now. But I'm going to stick with you on this one. It, awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was a very fun episode to watch it. And then, of course, Alangulon, who I just, I don't like him as a character. He, he's a crappy little teenage kid. He discovers that he can play them off each other and get better presents out of it because, you know, his well, mom yeah. wants him to celebrate Christmas and he wants him to celebrate Grafflenick. And so it, he does the dick move thing, but. I kind of, like, my mom always feels. How do I say this in a very polite way? If, if if someone else does more for me than she did, then she always feels like she didn't do anything, and I don't appreciate what she did. Ah, it's not a competition, people. I know, I know. If it was, I would lose every holiday, birthday, <laughs> everything, 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 everything. Uh, <clears throat> anyhow, so that was fun. Um, the other thing that I watched aside from Rogue One, which again we won't talk about, except for to say. That it was amazing. It, like, I'm still giddy after seeing that movie on Thursday, and here it is Saturday, and I'm still, like, jacked. I want more people to see it so that I can talk to them about it, because it's just so good. But I'm not going to give anything away. My son has already said to me, he's like, can we go watch that again? And I'm like, it's a great idea. I probably will not take you again. <laughs> he was I good. Make- I, oh, he was awesome. He was awesome. He wanted to watch A New Hope today. So which, you, won't, you won't take him again because of the money? No, no, not at all. I just don't know when I'd have time. Oh, okay. The way you, the way you said it, it sounded like you were like, I will not take him again. Like, like he <laughs> no, screwed no, up no, this just, time. No, no, it just probably just wouldn't happen. So I don't, I don't, I don't make promises or, or say things to the kids unless I know I can follow through. Gotcha. Um, but like I watched A New Hope. Like we got out of that movie Thursday night. I went home. Recorded podcast of a thousand holds with Aaron, and wasn't tired yet, so I went and put a new hope in. And uh, man, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, Rogue One was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but aside yeah. from that, before I just go gushing and spoil things because I don't want to, I watched yeah. the first episode of the newest Netflix stealth title, The OA. 
Oh, yeah. How was that? Uh, well, here's the thing. is uh, I say stealth title because kind of like Stranger Things, there was no build-up to this. We haven't seen months of advertising. They just kind of earlier in the week said, oh, by the way, we're releasing a new sci-fi show on Friday. Have fun. There's eight episodes. And then walked away from it. Like, yeah. there were no teaser trailers. There was no nothing except you just kind of said, okay, it's a Netflix show. I'll check it out. Stranger Things was good. Uh, so Stranger Things was more than good. I've seen the first episode. It was an hour and a half long. And I'm hooked. I really want to see yeah. more. It, it starts off, the show starts looking really weird. And you don't understand why at first, but it's because you're basically seeing somebody's... Um, cell phone footage of traffic stopped on a bridge because there's this girl running across the bridge uh, frantically. She climbs over the edge of a guardrail, looks back at the person who's filming, and then throws herself off the bridge. And they're doing that stupid thing that nobody should ever do, and they're shooting video in vertical format, and that's why it looks so weird. So you got the giant black bars on either side of the screen. I hate that. So... She wakes up in the hospital. They tell her that she's lucky to be alive. You know, she could have liquefied all of her bones by crashing into the water. Um, very shortly thereafter, the video is on the internet and this person calls up this woman and says, Hey, you got to look at it. Um, Alice Courage and Scott Wilson play her parents. And it turns out that seven years ago, their daughter disappeared. She now reappears out of nowhere. And when she disappeared, she was blind, but now she can see. Yep. And. It's a very odd show to start off with, kind of like Stranger Things was. You know, when you get in the first episode of Stranger Things, you're like, okay, this is a little bit weird. By the end of it, you're like, okay, this is better. Um, I'm not quite sure how to make heads or tails out of it, uh, but it's got the makings of something really cool. Uh, it's also got Phyllis Smith, who played Phyllis in The Office. You may know her as the voice of Sadness from Inside Out. Um, she plays... A character named Elizabeth this time. So, you know, stepping out of her comfort zone. Um, but it's, I really liked it. it. One thing that was really interesting was that the opening credits start an hour into the show. No. It's really odd, but huh. it was really cool the way that they did it. I'm not going to say what it was, but basically by the time the opening credits start, it's, really cool. You'll appreciate the effect for what they're doing. And they, they tell you that, you know, it's called the OA. She, that's all she ever refers to herself as. Everybody knows her as Prairie Johnson. That was the girl who disappeared, Prairie Johnson. But when people ask her, like, what's your name or who are you? She always just says, I'm the OA. I'm the OA. And she's got these scars on her back that every time somebody tries to touch her, she freaks and she's like, don't touch me. Get away from me. She won't tell them about them. Um, but, like, her parents won't allow her access to the internet because there's this list from the uh, hospital, you know, that says because she tried to kill herself, because she is having trouble readjusting, she's been missing for a while, you should limit phone calls, you should limit internet activity, you should do this. So it's nice that they added in those little touches. But I'm very intrigued. I would have watched more, but I just watched it this morning before we recorded the podcast, so I didn't have time to get into the next episode. I plan on binging it, though, with the snowstorm here and not much else to do. So hopefully in the next episode of this podcast, I'll be able to tell you how it ended. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to uh, – now, how long is each episode after the first episode? I don't know. I know that okay. this one was an hour and a half. I would assume they're like an hour each. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I mean, I'll, I got a couple doubles coming up here, so yeah. 
Yeah, the the first guy that she meets is very rude. He is a, an angsty teenager who nobody at the school likes because he's a bully, and he's quite a jerk-off. Okay. I, I don't like him, but I have a feeling that they're going to find some way to redeem him. Anyway. Probably. Let's see here. There's, uh, like you said, eight episodes. 58 minutes, one hour, one hour, four minutes, one hour, one minute, 31 minutes, 41 minutes. Episode six is 31 minutes. Interesting. Yeah, the first episode, like you said, the homecoming is an hour, 11 minutes. And then 50 minutes for the final, 41 minutes. Huh, that's weird. So there's no real consistency to the length of each episode. (laughs) (laughs) But that's even more interesting. That makes me want to see why an episode would only be 31 minutes. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I know Herschel is in it. Yes. I'll tell you I met him, right? Yes. In the elevator at Rhode Island Comic Con in 2014. Yes, you did. That was a good time. Me and Leah. <laughs> Leah and I. Anyhow, uh, I watched a movie off Netflix this week called The Frontier. Okay. It is the – I'm going to say it's the feature directorial debut of a guy named Oren Shai. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but whatever. He wrote it as well as directed it. The movie stars uh, Jocelyn Donahue, Kelly Lynch, Jim Beaver, some yeah. others. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he does not say idiots once in the movie and uh, basically I'll just read the plot synopsis here it says a female drifter which is Jocelyn Donahue discovers a violent gang of thieves at a deserted motel run by a mysterious woman and hatches a plan to escape with their stolen cash um, it is one of those movies it essentially takes place in one environment it's at the hotel or at the restaurant attached to it it has a small cast um, from the time frame, it looks like it takes place late seventies, early eighties, maybe. Okay. Based on the vehicles, you know, the clothes, the style, and everything like that. Um, it's a very. Well, it's not like a grindhouse movie by any means, um, but it's a very like. <sighs> it's it's like a I guess it's a film noir or whatever. There's been a. There, there's been a uh, a. a um, What's it called? Armored car robbery. And no one knows who did it. And we have a group of money. And we have a, there's, a, there's some money that's being um, laundered. They have a group of people waiting for that money. And this girl, the Jocelyn Donahue character uh, on the show, on the, sorry, on the movie, her name's like Lane. She shows up and she's got some sort of thing that she's running from, of course. And then everything unfolds, and then it gets very violent, and uh, a lot of gunplay comes into it. Not like uh, fancy gunplay, but just a lot of people getting shot. And uh, it's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a good story. The look of it, the feel of it, the pace of it, the dialogue, um, how Jim Beaver just seems to beat a woman up for no reason. What? In his mind. So, uh, well, in his mind, he's justified. You know, but because um, money's involved, and you know what money does to people. But um, I don't know I really, really liked it. I uh, tweeted it that I liked it. The director gave me a, a, a tweet back thanking a, thanking me, and um, yeah, it actually came out. I, from what I'm looking here, it was released uh, South by Southwest Film Festival in 2000. Uh, sorry, in March 15th, 2015, and. It, 
I don't know when it came out on Netflix. I think it just came out like the ninth, I want to say, or something like that. Like it just popped up on Netflix. It's in my new release section. So that's probably where you can find it. But it's called The Frontier, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I really promote it as something someone should, you should watch. Nice. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> so, but the only other stuff I really watched this week, I mean, I watched a little bit more of uh, How I Met Your Mother. I watched a lot of wrestling. I watched some holiday specials. Um, yeah. So, I had a lot of work. Nice. A lot of work. That, that can be good this time of year to pay for all the presents that you're going to buy because apparently you're in competition with your mother. Mm. I'm not in competition with anybody when it comes to buying presents. <laughs> As I just I couldn't I couldn't keep up gotcha. at all. <laughs> if I wanted to, um, but I don't. Uh, I will say that I did watch. I did try to watch the new X Files series. Like I wanted to watch that uh, Lizard Man episode again because it's funny. Yes, and the it's not. Yes, it is not streaming on. Hulu or Netflix. They have they have seasons one through nine, but the X Files event or series ten or whatever it is, those six episodes are not on either one of those uh, formats streaming. So it's a good thing I own the Blu-ray set. Okay. <laughs> Did it come with a uh, free digital copy? You know, I don't know. You should I'll check into that because they yeah, usually do. I don't know about TV series, but I know that movies these days usually come with a free digital copy. You just register yeah. it, and then you can watch it on your platform. I'll have to do that. Netflix has a new um, a new thing we may have touched on a couple weeks ago where you can download episodes of certain shows or movies or whatever yep. to your device so you can then watch it later when you don't have Wi-Fi or data or if it's poor quality or whatever. So Thursday morning, my son had to have some allergy testing done, uh, some oral testing where he goes basically and he, he eats lobster and they watch him to see if he has a reaction. And it's a two-hour-plus long process. And for those interested, you eat a little bit, wait 10 minutes, eat a little bit, wait 10 minutes, eat a little bit, wait 10 minutes, eat a little bit, wait 10 minutes for like an hour. And then you eat the rest of it and then they, you wait an hour. And then they just check you. They just keep checking you to see if you have a reaction. So... Knowing that I just we were picture at the them walking in and being like, are you dead? Basically. Oh, okay, yeah. check that box off. Well, no, they checked his blood pressure and pulse and just looked to see if he gets a rash or if I say, hey, he's having difficulty breathing or whatever it is. You know what I mean? They just, they basically, it's a wait and see type of thing. You know, it's like Dr. Dorian from the wait and see tribe. So Excellent. it's a scrubs reference. It's a scrubs reference. So anyhow, um, so I just I figured, hey, you know what? This is a good time to test out that new Netflix service, Netflix service, and see how it works. So I downloaded off Netflix Harry and the Henderson on my tablet because that is apparently two hours long. It's an hour and fifty minutes, which I didn't realize. And uh, essentially, when you download it, you still you just open up your Netflix app and then you click on like your menu, and then it, you just click on there's a new category on the left that shows downloads, and you click on that, and it pulls it up, and that's how you you retrieve it to watch it. And um, it worked awesome, absolutely awesome. And then, as far as how much room it took up on my tablet, it was very compressed, very very compressed. So it didn't take up much room at all. Nice. Yeah, so I just if anyone is interested, uh, I tried it out and it worked really well. Cool. Uh, and Harry and the Hendersons is just a phenomenal movie. 
<laughs> I'm assuming you've seen it, John. Uh, yes. Yes, I've okay. seen it many times. Thank you. All right. All right. Just making sure. Making sure. <laughs> uh, <sighs> go ahead. So also this week, I saw a trailer. Like, I got to say, you and I commented on this. The trailers before Rogue One were quite disappointing. They um, really were. Like, especially was, if you compare it to Doctor Strange. Yeah. There was nothing new. Like, everything that was on there I had seen before, either on other movies or recently. Like, they had the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, but we've seen that a million times online. Yeah. I was expecting something original, even if it yeah. was like a Disney movie that was coming out that nobody had really heard of yet. But there was yeah. nothing new and original. At all. Every trailer had already been released either up to months ago or like even last week or something like that. There was nothing that no, no, which is surprising. It's such a big movie. You think some movie would have the debut of their trailer right before it and none of them did. And, uh, earlier, like a day or two before that, I did see a new trailer show up online that I thought might have shown up there, but I guess competing companies, but it was the trailer for Despicable Me 3. Oh, yep. I saw that pop up online. I didn't watch it, but I saw it pop up. Now, I love the first Despicable Me. I, I thought, did too. I thought the second one was a little bit lame, you know. Weak it, sauce. Yeah. Weak sauce. It wasn't terrible, but it really, it was stretching, you know. It was yep. meant for kids less than adults. And, um, I, I kind of liked the whole angle of the dating and, you know, the secret agents, but it, all in all, I left there going, eh, this is kind of lame. Minions was fun for what it was, as long as you mm-hmm. just realized it was just about the Minions. I know a couple of people out there who hate Minions just because they're everywhere. I still enjoyed the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I went and saw it at the theater with the kids. I can't recall. Did you go with us? I believe that I did. Okay, you did. Well, because I've gone to see movies with you, Johnny. And so I just couldn't recall, but yeah, yeah. All right. I, I went so. with somebody who had kids, so. You went with me. You went with okay. me. And yeah. then, so this was Despicable Me 3, and it looks fun. I don't know if it will be. Uh, one of the things that sold me on it is that the villain is an 80s themed guy, right down to his mullet with the bald spot on top. His 80s themed tracksuit. Uh, he uses a Rubik's Cube as a bomb. He likes to dance to Michael Jackson songs and has a dance off with Gru at one point, even though Gru does not want to have a dance off, but he's dance, dance off fighting. And it's voiced by Trey Parker of South Park fame. So, on that alone, I'm excited. I don't know that I'll see it in the theaters, but it looked fun. It looked cute. And that's all I've got to say about that trailer. So I saw a trailer for a movie, and the movie is called Snatched. And this is a synopsis. Are you ready? Okay. A mother and daughter find themselves kidnapped during a night out on their vacation in Ecuador. Oh, I've seen this trailer. Yes, go on. Okay, now hold on. Now, when you hear that, you think, oh, it's hostile. Or Taken. It's some sort of horror movie, or it's Taken or whatever. But then you find out it stars uh, Amy, Amy, not Amy Poehler, Amy um, Schumer. Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> and it's from the producers of Heat. So and spy. In the heat or whatever, and, and, and spy. So it's a complete and total comedy. Uh huh. And it looks hilarious. It does. It really does. And I, actually, what I'm most excited about is to see Goldie Hawn back in the movie because I don't remember the last thing she was in. I'll always just Death Becomes overboard. Her, maybe. Over, yep. that, that is always the movie I go to with her is Overboard yes. or 
Yeah. So yeah, um, this looks really good. It looks funny. Um, that's all I'm going to say, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, uh, they have a red band trailer for it, so you can definitely see. Oh, I haven't it. seen that. Yeah, she definitely at the end of it tells this one guy, you know, hey kid, you would be lucky to f either one of us. But she goes full on, you know, red band. Yeah, it it does look good. It does look funny. I'd forgotten that I saw that one the other day. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. Amy Schumer is what it I was. Like is, humor. <laughs> yes, me too. Didn't mean to rhyme that, but I did. What it was is I was on, um, and I went on to IMDb. And you know, they have the top. They have the trailers. Yep. So I'm looking at it, and like the like it was. A, it just said snatched trailer one, and I didn't know what it was. And then there's a girl, and she looks like she's like she appears to be standing on some sort of crate, and there's like a like um there's like she's caged into a floor, basically. You know, like there's like a that's what it looks like from the picture. Yep. And she's got looks to be like a nighty on or something. You know what I mean? And I'm like, huh, what's this? And so then you click on it, and then the synopsis comes up on the side, and I'm like, oh, okay, so it's gonna be some sort of horror movie. All right. And then I'm, I'm like, what? Amy Schumer, Goldie Hawn. This is not what I expected. <laughs> it was just, you know, I thought it was funny the way I it was presented, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you watch any other trailers this week, sir? Not that I can remember. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't remember that, that one, so. Yeah, nothing that's jumping out at me. Let's see here. Just real quick. Goldie Hawn. She did this movie, Snatched, which comes out next year. By the way, it comes out next year. And then she did a voice on Phineas and Ferb. The last movie that she did was The Banger Sisters in 2002. That's right. So she hasn't done anything in a long, long time. So that's really cool. It is. Well, her husband, Kurt Russell, hadn't done anything for a long, long time either. And all of a sudden, now he's in everything. Yeah. Well, he's in the Fast and the Furious craptastics. God. Fuck. Did we talk about how horrible, how horrible. Yeah, we uh, did on uh, the last podcast. Uh, the Fate and the Furious looks last week. The Fate of the Furious. Yeah, because that's yeah. one of the crappy trailers we got. Yeah. We family. Got family. 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 Every time family. they said family on the family. screen, I said it out loud in the theater. God. It was ridiculous. It was so ridiculous how many times they said family. Yep. Uh, but he was just recently in Bone Tomahawk. And if you haven't seen Bone Tomahawk, you really should go see it. It's a really good horror western thing. I mean, it's really, really good. And then, of course, he was in The Hateful Eight. Talking about Russell, Russell not Russell Crowe. And now he's in The Fate of the Eight. And now he's in The, the Fast and the, the Furious. Furious Eight. The Fate and the Furious or whatever. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> but he does have a very redeeming movie coming out, which was another trailer we got that day, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yes. Which the trailer we got was the second trailer, you know, the one where where uh, Drax is laughing hysterically. Yes. I God, that was so funny. <laughs> That's amazing how much I hated Batista as a wrestler, but how much I enjoy him in those movies. Um, I got a little bit of news. Okay. It's a very Alan Tudyk orientated news. Okay. But apparent, and I had no idea this was being made or done or anything. But all of a sudden this week, I just like I see it everywhere, especially on the con on the uh, con TV or whatever it is. Um, but apparently they made a second season of Con Man, and there's already aired two episodes on Vimeo. And the first episode came out December 8th, and there's 12 episodes this season of Con Man. Awesome. 
<clears throat> yeah, which I think I there were twelve episodes in the first season too. It was like four, 13. four, and four. Thirteen. Okay. There's 13 episodes in the first season. But, and again, they're only like 10 to 15 minute episodes, if you will. But still, like, I know they raised a ton of money for the first season. And then whatever money they obviously made enough money to do a second season, but I didn't hear anything about it. It's just all of a sudden it's, it's, excuse me. It's just, it's boom, it's out. That's Because, awesome. like, the first season came out in 2015. And like we didn't like the DVDs didn't come out until this past summer because you got me one for my birthday. We each have one. It's awesome. I've watched it a couple of times now. Um, but like it's I'm actually kind of disappointed with the lack of communication from Tudic and company about this series because they did a comic book called Spectre based on the TV show from the, the show. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. They released issue zero on free comic book day and then issue one came out in July and issue two all of a sudden, which was supposed to be out in August because it's supposed to be a six episode, six, um, six issue series never came out. And I asked my, I tried finding anything online about it. I could not find anything online about it at all. Like where the episode, where, where the issue was. I even checked like eBay to see if like there was a second issue that was leaked or, or what was going on. And then finally, you know, Nate at the comic shop here, editor's note, told me, oh, all it says is that it's been canceled. Like for through his distributor. It just says the code there next to it shows it's been canceled. Like they had, I mean, I remember seeing they had the uh, artwork out for like all six issues for the covers. Or maybe it was four of the six issues for the covers. But yeah, it was just canceled. Haven't seen anything about it anywhere, anywhere at all. And then all of a sudden now, like literally within the last 24 hours, I've seen it pop up on Twitter and on my Facebook feed where the Spectre comic book has been nominated for an award for best digital comic. And I'm like, so now did they release it digitally? I actually haven't had a chance to – I haven't looked it up yet, truthfully. Um, So I still have to look it up to see if they release this comic digitally or or not. And it's very frustrating because I have actually emailed or commented or contacted the con man website through email, through Twitter, through Facebook – you know, and have never gotten a response yet asking about the comic book, asking about the second season and everything, and have not gotten anything. So it's kind of, as a fan, it's kind of disappointing. The first, the lack of communication, which isn't as disappointing, it's just simply the lack of publicity about it all. I get that. So there's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but I am excited about the second season of Con Man. Uh, most likely, I'll just wait for it to all come out on DVD because I'm not going to spend $14.95 a month on Vimeo. And I'm not going to wait for it to all be released and then spend $14.95 to watch the th- you know the 12 episodes when the DVD is like $15. Bucks, so. Right. And with Vimeo, it's like it's you can't – yeah, you can't download them or anything like that. It's basically you have to – yeah. So anyways, I'll wait for DVD, but I'm looking forward to it because the first season was great. So you're going to wait for DVD? Yeah, I'm waiting for DVD. Okay. Just want to make sure we're clear on In case you weren't sure. So anyways, uh, the other Alan Tudyk-y type news is a new TV show coming out on, was it going to be NBC this February? Yeah. Yeah, February 2nd, 2017, called Powerless. Now, we had talked about this a while back when we were doing like the fall preview Mm -hmm. uh, because we had heard a little bit about it back then, and we were excited because it was going to have Alan Tudyk and Danny Pudi in it, and it takes place in the DC Universe. Yes. But they've changed things up now. 
yes, it it still it's it's it still takes place in the DC com universe, but now um, it's at Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, a subsidiary of theirs. Sorry, a subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises. Yes, Emily Locke, uh, who is playing. Uh, Vanessa Hudgeton is playing Emily Locke, and she starts her first day as the director of research and development for Wayne Security, which is a subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises. And basically, it's it's the Marvel's version of collateral damage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's going to be fun, I think. Yes. Yeah. Although, again, it's going to be one of those kind of like when Supergirl first came out that they're kind of – Missing the potential tie-in because they're on NBC and CW is over there. And with Supergirl, at least CBS was still owned by Warner Brothers. You know, correct. NBC is completely different. Right. It's it's and it's kind of like problem. how Deadpool will never meet up with uh, Iron Man because Fox right. versus Marvel type of thing. Right, and it has a lot to do with like Constantine. It was on NBC, and yep. it was a CW show, and you know we all saw what happened there. I have very little faith in NBC when it comes to anything sci-fi fantasy. Oh, that's why I'm I'm super excited and yet super bummed about uh, em- uh, Emerald City. Yeah, same here. I mean, the only thing that's made it any more than one season on NBC is um, Grimm. Yep. If you look at what they did, Dracula. One season. They did Constantine, 13 episodes. You know, they've, and anything they've done, uh, sci fi fantasy type thing on NBC really hasn't, hasn't made it at all. And I, I don't know why. But, anyways, it's going to be on NBC. It's a single camera, 30 minute comedy show, essentially. So maybe that's why it'll work. It's a sitcom. I already have, um, trepidations about it because yeah. it was always billed as just what the comics was, you know, lawyers yeah. who handled um, personal injury suits and property damage and stuff like that because of right. superhero fights. And now all of a sudden, yep. you know, a month before it comes out, they've done this drastic shift to oh, now being, you know, part of Wayne Enterprises, basically selling insurance, is it, for um, – It says stuff. here – it says here that um, – it specializes in products that make defenseless bystanders in a world of superheroes and supervillains feel a little safer. Yeah, so basically Bruce Wayne is double-dipping because yep. he's going out and causing the problems, fighting supervillains, and then selling people the stuff that will protect them from the fallout of him and his super yep. friends. So Vanessa Hudgeton plays the director of research and development. Danny Pewdie plays a guy named Teddy. Uh, her best friend and trusted confidant. He spends his days creating time-wasting pranks as a way to make their office, as he calls, least super place on earth, just a little unsuper. And uh, Alan Tudyk plays their boss. And apparently he's described as a power-mad, disastrous dictator. Excellent. That's a good role for him. Yeah, I think so as well. And uh, there's a few other people in it. Katie, Mu- Katie Mucci's in it, apparently. Kate Micucci? And, yeah, Kate Micucci's in it. And she's just playing uh, – it just says she's playing Wendy Harris. It doesn't describe her person at all. Okay. And then Ron Funches is in it yeah. as Ron, an innocent guy in the IT department who, unlike his coworkers, has not lost his childhood enthusiasm for all things superhero-related. Nice. And apparently Crimson Fox is set to appear in the pilot episode. Okay. So I wonder how that's going to work where are they going to have – obviously, like it says, you know, Crimson Fox – is going to appear in the first episode. So, you know, one of the, a superhero, if you will. 
but she's kind of a B level superhero or even a C or D level superhero, if you will. Right. Um, is that all they're going to be able to get on the show? I would imagine. Yeah. Again, NBC. Yeah. Warner brothers, you know, I wonder why they would pick this up and run with this. I mean, are they just trying to cash in on the, I think that's exactly it. You know, the superhero craze that's going on right now. But I mean, obviously we've seen that unless you're a Marvel vehicle on ABC or Netflix or you're on the CW under that umbrella, it's not going to work. Right. Because standalone's not going to work. Nope. It needs to somehow be involved in the broader spectrum of things. Exactly. So, and I guess that sums it up for me. Well, keeping on the DC theme news, I got a couple of pieces of news this week that was interesting. Uh, oh, I have one more thing I just thought of, but you probably right ahead. Talk about No, no, you're going to talk about it right now, so go for it. Um, the actress who plays the reporter on Arrow has confirmed that, yes, selecting the vodka for Oliver was a big nod. She she kind of was in an interview and said, geez, did we get a little too heavy-handed with that hint? Which you remember the last podcast I was talking about how that yes. said she was definitely from Russia. And she's like, yeah, we might have like tipped our hand a little bit too much. But yeah, that definitely was a hint. You're going to find out that she had something to do with Russia, etc. You know, not a big surprise, but at least she was cool about saying, yep, we definitely did that. And they're already talking about revamping Kid Flash's uniform. Really? Yeah. So he just got it for Christmas, as we all know, his yellow suit from Flashpoint. But apparently the actor has been tweeting out some stuff talking about a much more red suit. Uh, could be looking at the one that he's gotten recently in the comics upgrade, which is like red and white. It's a cool looking suit. Um, I don't know why they're already trying to change his suit. I don't know if they're just trying to keep up with the current comics trend, but, or, or maybe this was just him being hopeful. Maybe he liked what he saw in the comics, but yeah, that, that's what I saw about them. Cool. Now you're trying to look stuff up. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I just, I wanted to make sure. I just want to see if there's anything else before I talked about it. That's all. What were you going to talk about? Gotham City Sirens. Yeah. that. Eh, it, like, I've heard stuff and then seen stuff that says, don't believe what you heard, and then other stuff that says, but you can believe this, and then stuff that says, but don't believe that. What have you heard that you well, have Well, basically, what I, I, I don't have faith in any of it, because I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but essentially what I read was is that they're going to do a, a movie called Gotham City Sirens, which is going to star... Uh, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. And they're going to keep Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie's supposed to – yes, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is supposed to be in it. And it's just that that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah, I'd seen different actresses might be circling this, and they tossed yeah. out Megan Fox's name, and that oh, made me God, cringe. I would not watch it. I would not watch it. No. Uh, they need to give me something much more solid before I go one way or the other with happy or not happy. Yeah. Um, but well, the director of Suicide Squad is is supposed to attach to be directing this. Oh, then I'm even less interested. Yeah. The the guy would have been great on MTV back in the 80s and 90s when they did music videos. But <laughs> I mean, the fact that Suicide Squad didn't earn any awards recently, except for the soundtrack got up for an award, should tell you something. Yeah, that's terrible. All right. So, um, and then I had two other pieces of. Very exciting news 
in my Go. opinion. Uh, one of them is that out of the blue, they announced recently that they're giving another shot to How I Met Your Father. Yes, okay. And yep. they're going to have two of the writers from This Is Us helming it. Yes. Which yes. is exciting because, A, I really wanted to see How I Met Your Father. Now, it's not going to be based on the almost pilot that we got before with the actors and the actresses that they had picked out. This is going to be starting from scratch from what I understand, but it's going to be done yep. the same way How I Met Your Mother was done, but with these guys who have proven that they're good at doing funny and yet heartwarming. Yep. Um, so I'm Should quite excited to read that. You know, they seem to be moving forward with it. it. Nothing has broken ground yet. They don't have a plot outline or anything except for the fact that it's somebody saying, this is how I met your father. Right. Um, so more news on that in the coming months I'm excited for. And nice. the last one was that they have updated us on the DuckTales reboot. And oh, yes. I I'm just read that this morning. Thrilled. Um, they talked about the voice casting. And the first thing that they said was that Huey, Dewey, and Louie were always interchangeable. People complained that, you know, you never knew which one was which. They They could have existed separately, and it didn't matter. And part of that was because... All three of them, the voice was done by the same woman. So now they've decided to give each one of them their own voice and their own personality. So That's going to seem really odd, actually. It will, but I think they'll make it work. Huey's going to be Danny Pudi, which oh, cool. we all love him. Uh, Louie is going to be Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live current fame. And Dewey will be Ben Schwartz, who is also oh, nice. another great comedic actor. Uh, Webby will be voiced by Kate Micucci. That's, yep. that's pretty darn cool. Uh, I didn't hear any of this. I only heard who's going to be Scrooge. Uh, Launchpad McQuack is going to be Beck Bennett, which I don't know who that is, but apparently that he's is. on current Saturday Night Live and they say that he's quite good at doing, um, confident bumbler. So nice. that would be good. That's Launchpad McQuack to a T. And of course, Uncle Scrooge will be played by David Tennant. That's awesome. That, that makes me so watch awesome. It. it does. Like, that was the selling point for me. I love Danny Pudi, but it wasn't selling me yet. But when nope. they said that we're going to get an actual Scotsman, and especially one as sexy as that, playing Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> dude, David Sorry. Tennant is sexy. <laughs> I don't care if you're a man or a woman. David Tennant is sexy. So... Just hearing you say it's funny, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really even more excited about that. I was a bit hesitant that they were rebooting DuckTales. But, man, if they're willing to put that kind of star power into the voice cast, then I'm on board. I will be watching that on Disney XD for the first couple episodes until I forget about it. <laughs> nice. You know, hopefully they'll have it on the Disney XD app on my Roku, which I'm sure they will because they have everything else. There you go. <sighs> Next year. Yep. I'm excited. Next year. Yeah. But that's all I got. Cool. All right. That's 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 all I got too. So we managed to fill the time pretty nicely. <laughs> we did. We certainly did. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. If you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, or say, hey, I watched this on Netflix. You should watch it too. Please reach out to us. Wait, why uh, does it have can... to only be on Netflix? Why can't it be like on Hulu or Crackle <sighs> or something like that? Why if are you, you alienating our audience, there, Mike? If you watch something out there on any format whatsoever that you think we should watch too, say, hey, you should watch this. And you can do that by tweeting me on the Twitter machine at SuperstarML. 
Uh, you could tweet me too. I'm the Quantum Geek G33K. Or you could just tweet the show at What Did You Watch or our Facebook presence What Did You Watch this week. And yeah, I think that does a podcast for us. Was Thanks. That a, there we go. Okay. Talk to you later, everybody. <laughs>